I don't know how many of you, but I'm sure some of you are familiar with um, the temperaments. And temperaments are one of those tools that are used for personality kind of inventories. Uh, kind of like the Enneagram, but much less complex, or the Myers-Briggs. But the temperaments are ancient. They go back to the ancient Romans used temperaments, and that's kind of their origin. But in my, in my community, we talk about the temperaments a lot, actually almost to the point of nausea. But my temperament is I'm a melancholic. Melancholics tend to react slowly to things, and they tend to hang on to things for a while. So if you do something, you know, to make me angry, at first I'm not going to react, I'll just hold on to it for 10 years. <laughs> and that's kind of how I roll. And I get a lot of grief about being a melancholic, particularly from one of the companions. And he likes to exaggerate stories. You know, he, tell, he literally tells people, he's like, oh yeah, Father Brian, you know, what does he do when he's not around people? He hopes it rains and he sits in a windowsill and turns out all the lights and plays his guitar and cries which is only partially true. So, but one of the things we've developed over the years is as a comeback to this chump priest, he is a sanguine. And so I have determined that the, the key motto for sanguines, a sanguine is kind of the life of the party. That's the stereotype of a sanguine. A sanguine is someone who reacts quickly to things, but not deeply. They don't hang on to things. Uh, and so the motto for the sanguine is, all right, all right, enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> and so we've kind of adopted this a lot as in the companions. And so we go back and forth and we banter. And it's funny to talk about that with sanguines that, you know, enough about me, what do you think about me? But what I want to propose this morning, what I want to take you through is an examination of conscience. We've just finished a calendar year. We're going to tie this to Epiphany as well. But we finished a calendar year. And most of the time, at this time of year, people are making resolutions. And that's a good thing. But usually, they're worldly resolutions. This year, I will have washboard abs. Right? Some of us are there already. Don't judge us. But... <laughs> One of the traditions the church has is that we're very big on examination of conscience. Every night before I go to bed, the church asks me to do that, to examine my conscience, to look at my day, and to say, where was I faithful to Jesus Christ, and where was I not? And I will confess, confess to you, my flock, a lot of days I'm so tired, I'm like, all right, God, are we good? Good. All right, good night. <laughs> going to bed. Just so tired. But it's a wonderful thing to look back at the year and your day, but, but today I want to talk about the past year, and ask yourself, did I grow closer to God this year, or did I fall away from him? To pause, have some silence in your life, and to examine your conscience at year end. Now, what does this have to do with sanguines? What I want to propose to you is, when we usually examine our conscience, it's, there's some things that are easy and easily noticeable. We all know sins that are kind of obvious. I judged Father Brian. 
um, I gossiped about my sister-in-law. Uh, I um, held a grudge against whoever. I made fun of my brother priest in front of my congregation. That happens every week. You know, there's more obvious sins. But what I want to propose to you, I want you to examine your conscience today on one question. And the question is, are you spiritually, are you a spiritual sanguine? And what I mean by that is, who's the center of your life? What it means to be a Christian, a Christian is fundamentally someone who saw the glory of God. And sometimes our vision has to be corrected. Very frequently, you and I have false visions of God. When I was a kid, I always thought God was boring because priests were boring and priests are like God, so God must be boring. I always thought that, literally. That was my, my syllogism. It was a false image. God is anything but boring. Some people think God must be condescending because they think Christians are condescending. God is anything but condescending. We have false images of God, but a Christian is someone who has seen the glory of Jesus Christ and has lost his life because of that. Von Balthasar, if you don't know who Balthasar is, you either don't go here or you don't pay attention to my homilies, both of which are problems. But Balthazar says a Christian is fundamentally, what does it mean to be a Christian? Fundamentally, he says a Christian is a man or a woman who has been dispossessed. There's someone who's, who knows that their life is not theirs. And so when we do an examination of conscience, oftentimes we, we go to the scales of justice. We think, did I do more nice things to people or was I, did I have more sins? And that's fine. There's some truth to that. But on a deeper level, the real question is, who is the center of your life? And here's how Balthazar says it. He says, the question we must ask ourselves is simply this. How far have I regarded myself as the center and referred everything around me, God and the world, things and people, to myself, thereby robbing them of their intrinsic value. Imagine this. If, if reality is a play, what's the play about? Is it about you? Or are you a supporting actor? The world says the story's about you. Your life is a play, and, and there are other people, and they're the supporting actors. And what we do, brothers and sisters, and this is the big one, is God merely a supporting actor in the drama of your life? Sometimes I hear this from people in the, in the way they speak, and, and I've done it too, don't get me wrong. But sometimes we think God only exists to be about my life. Father Brian, what am I supposed to do with my life? Is God good or not? Does he have a plan for my life? Do you see how the word my is at the center? 
Salvation is so much about when we realize the story isn't about us. The story is about him. And the great privilege of our lives, the great privilege of my life, is I get to step on this stage for just a moment to bear witness to Christ. There is great freedom in that. One of my favorite scripture scholars says this. He says, most Christians need to go through a Copernican revolution. You know, prior to Copernicus, most of the world thought that the sun revolved around the earth. And he says that's just like most Christians. We think the only reason God exists is to provide me with salvation. And N.T. Wright says, no, 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 no. (laughs) The sun is the center. God's the center. And we revolve around him. That brings salvation. And so all of us, you're in this past year, where's God in your life? Do you see your life as my drama, my story? Where's my career going? Where's my vocation? How is my marriage? How are my relationships? Those are normal and natural. I do the same thing. But it's backwards. The Christian can look and say, Jesus, how are you redeeming the world? And how can I lose my life, right? A dispossessed person is someone who is no longer in control of their life. They're a supporting actor on the stage of a greater trauma. Lord, I can let go. There's a bigger story than my story. I have so many years, I don't know how long, but I'll pass, but you remain. What are you doing, Jesus? Pray about that today. Will 2016, will it be, you know, we celebrate it at New Year's. Why? Because we pass from one year into another? Brothers and sisters, what will 2016 be like? Will it be another year in your life where maybe some good things happen, maybe some bad things? Or will it be a year of pilgrimage? Where Jesus, I'm leaving myself behind as the center. I surrender that. And I take a step towards that meaning. All of us need that. By the way, I'm convinced of this. This is what a midlife crisis is. Right? A midlife crisis, by the way, I love this. I've been obsessed with this ever since I started reading uh, Dante's um, Divine Comedy. Dante's Divine Comedy begins with, Dante says he was at midway through this life's course. And my commentary says that for Dante, life goes to 70. So 35 is halfway through, which is where I'm at. So I know a lot about a midlife crisis at this point. But a midlife crisis is when we've bought the lie that I'm the center. And you go through enough days and you realize, you wake up one morning and you realize it's not enough. What's the purpose? What's the meaning? You and I need something bigger than ourselves. So epiphany. 
a tie-in tie question to that question is, what is the star of Bethlehem in your life? I'm convinced of this. In each of us, God built us a certain way. He built us so that we intrinsically desire more than comfort and pleasure. We desire truth. By the way, the modern world doesn't believe in truth anymore. Do you know that? We believe in facts. Give me the facts. Give me the data. But don't speak about truth. Truth has a connotation. Truth means universal. It means meaning. It points that there is something behind reality. And the modern world sneers at that, but it can't stop asking the question because God created you with a desire for truth. And I am convinced that truth, goodness, and beauty are the star of Bethlehem in our lives. There's this beauty that rises in the sky, and we know we're made for more than what we're surrounded by. And that, those three things are meant to pull us to God, just like it did the wise men. The world doesn't believe truth exists, so it substitutes facts. Right? We have all these people love trivia in our time. Right? Tri trivia, trivial things. They don't really matter. They might, they might be factual, but they don't change your life. Epiphany is about this. The church celebrates epiphany. Epiphany means that it's the first revelation of God to non-Jews. Right? The three wise men today are not Jewish people. They come from a far land. And here's the point of it. All of our readings are about this today. Isaiah chapter 60 prophesies that all the nations will come worship before God. All the nations. Right? Universal. Catholic. That's the prophecy in Isaiah 60. Our psalm today is Psalm 72, which has the same prophecy in it. Our second reading was from um, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 is about how all the nations now belong to God. And here's the simple point. The modern world, and we as Catholics, no longer believe the truth is big enough for everyone. And we don't believe that there is a truth that exists that's big enough for everyone. It's great you're Catholic, but I'm a Buddhist, I'm an agnostic, there is no truth for humanity. And that's why Catholics don't share their faith anymore. That's why we don't invite people to come to things. That's why we're scared in our office spaces and in our families to share the joy of Jesus Christ. It's because we don't believe that Jesus is big enough for everyone. But I do. And I hope you do. Epiphany is that God has sent the truth who is Jesus Christ for everyone. That little cave at Bethlehem where the Son of God was born, it calls people from every nation, every walk of life, to come and bend their knees at the manger. 
Do you believe that? Do you know that there is a truth for mankind? Not just many facts, not just details, not just interesting things about biology, but there is a truth which humankind was created for. Western civilization was converted because it believed that was fulfilled in Bethlehem. All of us. The word Catholic, you've heard me say it. Catholic means universal. It's for everyone. It is the home of the nations. So brothers and sisters, today is a day of great joy. The biggest thing, if you remember one thing from this morning, I really encourage you. Are you someone who comes to Mass on Sundays who tries to do good things but are you the center of your own life? Or are you dispossessed? Right? Have you come to see that salvation means my life isn't about me? And the joy, it's amazing the joy that comes from that. My heart and my soul came alive, and it does come alive when I remember this. The Lord, my life isn't about me, but I have a purpose, I have a direction. I have a truth, a goodness, and a beauty that has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ.